Why Question series, and we're, we're exploring the Holy Spirit as part of that, and some of you, I hope, have been following your little roadmaps that we gave you a while ago and checking off uh, all of the next steps that you've been taking and what's the next thing in store for you, and just just gives a sense of intentionality to be tracking that, you know, to see where you are and where you need to go from there and uh, where you're going to end up. It's all good stuff. So often when we uh, think about the Holy Spirit and our relationship with him, we think in terms of um, events, gifts, or fruit. And we talked about the fruit last week, but I want to briefly mention events. Uh, events such as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's a big event, right? right? How many remember being baptized in the Holy Ghost? Right? Could you ever forget? No. Absolutely not, right? It, it, everything changes, man. It's just good stuff, right? So that's an event, right? Or the first time you spoke in tongues or some particular conference or a meeting where the presence of God was really pronounced or profound in its impact. And who wouldn't want to rehearse uh, the impact of God's power on their life or community, right? I mean, we do that all the time. Oh, let me tell you what happened. Let me share this. Oh, you should have gone to that conference. I told you you should have gone to that conference. Hey, it was awesome, right? Events, it's a big thing. And the scriptures, uh, they do that. They rehearse it. Listen to Acts 2, 1, 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. See, events are important, right? This happened over 2,000 years ago. We still talk about it, right? About Acts 4. When they had prayed, we're going to pray today. You know, all of you who join us at the high school, think about this, this verse when you get there to pray, all right? Don't try to make it happen. Just let God make it happen, right? Because if we try to make it happen, it'll be some weird Religious thing, it just get bizarre. Right? We don't want to be weird. We want to be powerful. Right? <laughs> when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Sound good? That's an event. I want you to note the power, the unity, and the presence of God's grace are all in evidence in these verses because these are the kingdom-sustaining qualities of life in the Spirit. Unity, presence, and grace equal power. You need some power, Tim? Mm, we all do, right? Right? Unity, presence, not your presence, his presence. Invite his presence in, right? And grace. 
They're all necessary dynamics for the expansion of the kingdom of God in order to bring light into the darkness of an unbelieving world. This becomes even more evident when you consider the fact that non-charismatic and even anti-charismatic denominations fully accept and embrace the full range of the Holy Spirit manifestations on the foreign missions field. I don't have any problem with it there. And yet will oppose and even forbid the practice of the gifts by their at-home congregants. Right? Yo. And their justification for the manifestations on the missions field is absolutely correct. While at the same time, the rejection of those same manifestations here at home must be grieving to the Holy Spirit, who longs to be actively present in his church. The manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit was never intended to be an either-or, over there but not here. It was never intended to be that way. But rather a both-and normal expression of life in the Spirit for all the church, as well as in the harvest fields of the world. Acts 8, beginning in verse 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds were with one accord. There's the unity, right? With one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. There's the power. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit." So events are a big item, right? They're important. They are part of the substance that makes up the history of the church. But here's the caution. We should never allow the event, the experience, or the impact to be more important than the one who came and made those things possible, and that is the Holy Ghost, right? Don't make what he does more important than who he is. Sometimes we get caught in that. This is especially true as regards the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as prophecy, speaking in tongues, healing, signs and wonders, and miracles. The focus on the gifts should be secondary 
to the desire for the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts. Wow. Wow, huh? That's, well, it's close, right? If it was a trumpet, I'd be gone, brother. I would, I don't know what you guys would be doing, but I'd be gone. Uh, that was nice. Thank you, whoever did that. So where was I? The focus on the gifts should be secondary to the desire for the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts. This will become more evident as we unpack the following scriptures. 1 Corinthians 12.4 says this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Two things that strike me immediately is that it is God who empowers all the gifts in everyone and that it is God, the Holy Spirit, who both empowers and apportions or gives gifts to each one as he wills. Now, it is our understanding of what these two scriptures actually say about the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit by the body of Christ that will lock us into one of two competing theological stances within the community of believers who actually pursue the gifts. The first theological stance is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to individuals in the church as constitutional gifts. Constitutional gifts. In other words, you get one or maybe two gifts that are yours to function in almost exclusively. In other words, you... Oh, oops, sorry, skip that. So people get labeled or are known as, say, oh, he's a healer, or he's prophetic, or an exorcist, and they have that gift, but I don't, or at least I, I don't believe I, I do because... I never prayed for anyone to be healed or delivered or given a word of knowledge or prophecy. Right? So you have the anointed and the laity within the church community. It's positional and thus reinforces the hierarchical structure within the praxis of the work of ministry in the church. In other words, you have to be somebody to minister. You've got to have a tag. You've got to have a label. You've got to have something on your shirt if you want to minister. And it's easy to understand this position from these verses with all of the and to one is given statements that are made 
But what is often missed is the context statement. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. The common good is early church code language for a congregational or community setting. Sort of like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He says, what then, brothers, when you come together? When you come together, there's the congregational setting, right? Each one has. He doesn't say, when you come together, call Benny Hinn in. Right? Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Each one has. Did you catch that? Because it changes everything. This is the second theological understanding concerning the activity of the gifts of the Spirit by the moving of the Spirit within or amongst the people of God. And it emanates out of a larger understanding of the theology of the kingdom, which sees the gifts as situational rather than constitutional. In other words, because we have received the Holy Spirit... And if we are open to his leading and obedient to his promptings, then we can manifest any gift, he can manifest any gift through us as he wills. So maybe someone comes up to you during the break and says, oh, my back is really hurting. Could you pray for me? Right? We pray, and how's your back feeling? Feels really good, right? Didn't have to call in Benny, right? We just prayed as believers who love one another and care for one another. We called upon the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came and did something through us, through our prayers, through our connectedness, through our unity, right? Through our unity and love for one another, power was manifest, right? It's situational. So someone else might come along and say, oh, you know, I'm having these weird thoughts, and I... I feel like I want to throw up. I said, well, get a bucket and let's do some deliverance ministry. Right? So the Holy Spirit works exorcism through the body of Christ. Right? It's situational. Wouldn't you rather do it that way? Right? Everybody gets to play. Right? At play in the fields of the Lord. All the gifts are available to you because the gift giver is in you and wants to be poured out of us as an expression of the love, grace, and power of Jesus to heal, deliver, equip, and inform. You don't have to become special. You already are special. I'm going to say that again. You don't have to become special You already are special. Christ is in you. Does that apply to everyone? Is there anyone who hasn't received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior in this room today? Is there any who doesn't have Christ abiding in them? I want to make sure before we move on. 
If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up. Well, just pray right now. Okay? We're all good? You're all kosher? If you've ever been taught the Vineyard Five-Step Prayer Model for ministry, then you understand that we can all pray effectively for one another or for anyone at all, for that matter, because we are not the source of the power, only the conduit through which it travels. Can I pray for you right now? can be a powerful invitation for the Holy Spirit to glorify Jesus through the manifestation of the gifts in a believer's life. Just ask someone that question, and if you get the okay, pray for them, and watch and see what Holy Spirit does through you, right? So these, of course, are only partial lists of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, most complete New Testament lists include up to around 29 different gifts of the Spirit, okay? We won't get into all of that today. Uh, but consider these, Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Who's he talking to? Us, right? Let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, right? All have an opportunity to minister in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then we also find that people can be gifts of the Holy Spirit through the function of their individual callings. Ephesians 4, 8 through 12 says this, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he's talking about Jesus, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. What are the gifts? I'm going to skip on that. He ascended. Da, 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 da. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It doesn't say he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors to do the work of ministry. He gave them to equip the saints so you guys get to do the work of ministry. That's why I'm telling you what I'm telling you today. It's for you. It's for us. It's for the body of Christ to do the work of ministry. Not the ordained, not the special, not the specially anointed. You have everything you need to minister the grace of Jesus Christ effectively, not only in this room, but out there in the world at large. You can make a difference because Christ is in you. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's good stuff. The gifts of the Spirit are not restricted to the supernatural realm exclusively. The Holy Spirit can be very practical in his endowments. I want to look at this really unique story in the book of Exodus. Right? God has brought Israel out of bondage, has given them the law at Mount Sinai, and now he is going to transform them 
through teaching and through experiential encounters, how to be a worshiping people, the people of God. Hmm? So he instructs Moses on how to build a tent of meetings so he can hang out with his homies. Moses puts out a call to the people for an offering for all the materials needed to build a place of meeting for the Lord and his people. As the materials begin to come in, the Holy Spirit begins to move. Exodus 35, beginning in verse 29. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God. Okay? Now watch how that manifests. With skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. To devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Ohiliab, the son of, I'm not even going to attempt the next one. Yeah. Of the tribe of Dan, he has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or by a weaver or by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Listen, you can be an anointed electrician, Bob. Awesome, right? An anointed plumber. I'm telling you. I remember when we were doing this building. I mean, we had some real challenges and some of the stuff we had to put together. And I, I remember sitting here for hours in this room, saying, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. And I'd go home at night, and I'd be up till you know, 2 in the morning, and I'd be praying, oh, Lord, you know, how am I going to do this? And all of a sudden, he'd say, just try this. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I'd come in, and he had a contractor here doing the major work on the building. And I'd go up to him, and I'd say, so, you know, I'm doing this project over here. What do you think if I did this? He said, where'd you get that? He said, it's amazing. I never heard of doing it. It makes all the sense in the world. And so much of it was accomplished by the wisdom of God. That was a gift of the Holy Spirit, to have wisdom and understanding and, and things that I wasn't trained to do, right? The Holy Spirit is the implementer of the created desire of the Father's heart, his mind, and his will. He broods over that which is in chaos and darkness, and as the Father expresses the redemptive outworking of the work of his Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit breathes life and reality until those things unseen become known to the hearts of men. God, by nature, is creative. And his creative reserves stretch into all of eternity, an endless river 
of new unsung songs. Did you ever think of how many songs there are? I'm always amazed, you know. I get all these downloads. What, what's that app we use for music? Spotify, right? I mean, I, I get dozens of albums. You know, Try this, look at this. All new music, where's it coming from? It's coming out of the heart of God, you know? It's just pouring out. I mean, worship songs. Is there no end to worship songs? Absolutely not. It's really, really quite amazing, isn't it? Unsung songs, poems, and books yet to be written. Dawn, books yet to be written. There's a, a whole horde of them. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Plays, movies, not yet seen. Dances, only choreographed in the deepest places of the joy of the Holy Spirit. Witty inventions and medical cures, the ways and means to halt the spread of diseases and to end hunger through creative farming techniques that have not yet been discovered. Hmm? The Holy Spirit hovers, broods over the church, looking for that searching heart and inquisitive mind, someone willing to take the risk and put their lives on the line to be used in new and creative ways by the Holy Spirit. Do you want to function in the gifts of the Spirit? Receive the giver of the gifts. You have no clue. We have no clue. Abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever hope, dream, or imagine is available to us through the Holy Spirit. Are you that risk taker today? Would you be willing to stand up to say to the Holy Spirit, here I am, man. Use me. Pour into me. I'll take the chance. I'll take the risk. You ask me to do it, I'll step out. I'll take the chance and do it. I'll say to that one, you know, can I pray for you right now? I see that you're limping. You've got a need. Right? Step out of your comfort zone. See what God will do. I want to close today by praying and asking the Holy Spirit to stir up this type of uh, creative gifting in us. As I do, if you feel a stirring in your heart or mind or spirit, I want you to come up front so we can pray for you and activate that creative spark in your life. Okay? Remember, faith speaks of those things that are not yet as if they already are if you only see it as a hope, as a possibility, it's enough to begin to lay a foundation towards the completion of that vision. And the Holy Spirit breathes on those faith proclamations, then they become more than we ever hoped for. Let's stand together. you've been around for any length of time with me, you understand my whole thing about posture. Posture says so much. Hands in your pocket says, I'm standing, but I'm not really into this. You know, this says my heart is open. I want all he has to give me. This says I'll take it, Lord. <laughs> Right? So we just invite you, come, Holy Spirit.
would you come? Lord, with all of your creative uh, love and grace and wisdom and knowledge and understanding, of all the desire that you have to glorify Jesus Christ through his body, the church, would you come? Begin to pour out your grace upon us. The wonderful gifts of God. that Jesus paid such a high price to release from heaven above, oh God. You've opened the windows of heaven, oh God. Now pour out a blessing on your church, oh God. For each one who in their heart of hearts is saying, oh God, would you use me? Would you use me? Who yearns to know you in a deeper way, to be intimate with you and in your activities, oh God, to know that they're walking side by side, oh God, that, that your hand is upon their hand, that they're walking in your sandals, oh God, that, that they've just apprehended your will and they see and know what you're doing and they hear your voice. Would you come, Holy Spirit? For those who have longed to put their hand to something, Lord, that they could leave as a legacy for their children, would you come, oh God? Give us creative ideas. Give us impacting ideas, oh God. Help us to change our community. Lord, I pray that you'd even equip those who are going to pray today at the high school. Equip us with words. Holy Spirit, come.